Good morning. Welcome to Bible study at Blue Water. We are going to be again back in Acts chapter 3. And today um, we're continuing our study on uh, the church, who the church is, who the, the who's, what's, when, where's, and why's of the church. Who are we? What is God's plan for us moving forward? The the pandemic is really nothing. Uh, just a, not probably not even a blip on the screen of of you know all the things that have happened throughout you know all eternity, the time span. And, and here we and you when you're in the middle of something, you tend to think it's huge and it's big and and all that. But we've had pandemics before, and um, worldwide sicknesses or um, plagues and different things. But we're all you know the earth still is still here. As long as the earth remains, we'll have seed time and harvest until Jesus comes. We need to keep our eyes on him like he's told us and keep moving forward. So turn with us today to Acts chapter 3. We're going to be back in Acts chapter 3 discussing a little bit about Peter and looking at things through uh, maybe the perspective of Peter. We may even go back into uh, the Gospels or we'll reference the Gospels at least um, but stick with us and, and get your Bible out and your note, notepad or highlighter and let's let's study the Word of God together. Amen. 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 Welcome. So um, we we read in chapter three the week before last. Um, we did not record last week, and I sure regret. I guess is the right word. Um, not catching a conversation that I had with our one of our our guitar our guitar player and worship leader <laughs> and, um, we had a good conversation but we were in the truck and I wasn't able to record it It was too loud bumpy and all that kind of stuff but um, maybe one day we'll be able to revisit that conversation as well all right everybody there Acts chapter 3 yes okay I just want to um, you already know the story of the healing of the lame man they were there at the temple and the the lame man was um, lame from his mother's womb and they took him every day to the temple at the gate called beautiful and he would uh, be there and ask for alms of all the people that came to the temple and we know that peter and john went there to pray and last week before last we talked about how the church is a praying church the church does not forsake praying and coming together and seeking the lord and getting into his presence um we're not a church if we're not seeking God's face. You're not part of the church if you're not praying, if you're not communicating with the Lord. The word prayer means to um, beseech or to re- make make a petition, to request. I know lots of times we, we, you know, when you teach VBS or children's church, you might say, well, prayer is just, you know, talking to God. And it is, but it's also uh, the word prayer in the, in the old English translation the way that we you would say it um you think about maybe a shakespearean play or something like that they would say i pray thee could you please bring me the gray poupon (laughs) and um you know that 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 was a way of asking for something and so prayer initially is asking but you making your petitions known unto the lord that's what the scripture tells us to make our petitions known unto the lord make your your heart known to the lord doesn't the lord know your heart yeah but we make our petitions known to him, pouring out our hearts before him. And then we don't just stop there. It is relationship. So we stay there in his presence and we listen and we hear. Lots of people are asking me about dreams and different things that they've had. And, 
my encouragement is always the first thing. What did you see? What did you hear? Did you ask God? If you haven't, go back in <laughs> and ask him. And ask him about it and pray about it and seek the Lord. Because when he shows you something, it's usually for you. And then when you get the interpretation or uh, someone says, well, this is what I see, the Holy Ghost should bear witness to what God has already shown you. That's relationship, that you have your, your relationship with God, that we're not con continuously depending on someone else to have a relationship for us. Amen? Amen. All right. So um, that's just a dissertation on, <laughs> a little dissertation on prayer right there. But they were there, and they've been praying, and they, and they, had, they went to the temple with the intent to pray. And um, Peter looked upon this man and fastened his eyes upon him, and he said, look on us. Why would he ask the, the lame man to look on them? Verse 4. Look on us. Get attention. Get, 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 he wanted to get there, to get his attention. Stop looking around. Stop looking for everything else. But look on me. Look on us. And lots of times, you know, we have the, the mm, propensity to want to hide, to not want people to look at us. Um, you know, maybe we we'll put on a hat and pull it down or put on our hoodie or put our hair around our face. We have long hair. You don't want people to see you. And here we all get to wear a mask now. <laughs> and, and I still see people, you know, kind of drop our heads and when we walk past people. And, and But here Peter was bold. This is a... a edification, not edification, um manifestation of boldness that he was saying look on us i am bold enough for you to tell for to tell you to look on me because i know who i am in christ jesus i know i am full of the holy ghost i know that i have a word for you today look at me right paul said in another place follow me as i follow christ he was bold we should be bold. The church is bold. The, the church is triumphant. She's not beaten down. She's not overcome. She's not um, at her wit's end. The church is triumphant. Amen? Thank you. Amen. So here's, here Peter says, look on us boldly. Look on us. What do you think that the, this is going to stretch out a little bit here, but what do you think the lame man saw when he looked on them? Standing up straight, looking, looking them back in the eyes, and confidence. They were so he saw confidence. Okay. <clears throat> hope in front of the whole crowd. He saw hope. Something's about to happen. This was building his expectation, right? He already he. It says that he was expecting to receive something of them. He was already yeah, expecting sure. to receive. He had his hand open. Come on, give me some money. He was expecting to receive something. <laughs> All, and here Peter said, look at me. Because, you know, when you're asking for alms, you might have your head down and your hand held out or your cup held out. You don't always look that person in the eye. Have you ever, have you ever given money to someone on the street? Yes. Sometimes they will look you in the eye, but often they don't look you in the eye. They kind of keep their head down. They just want to get what they can get, what they, you know, whatever you have for them. And then they move on, right? And so... It's not common that they look you, look on you to behold you, right? To take in what's who you are standing before them. Peter was saying, "Look on us, 
behold the, the men of God. Behold the power of God. Behold the spirit of God that, that's the anointing. Have you ever been in a prayer line or, or gone through, um, I would say the same thing twice, a prayer line or you've been called out of the congregation by an anointed man or woman of God and there's something. And you don't, you probably don't really see that person. Am I right? I didn't, I don't remember seeing the pastor's face or the minister's face or the evangelist's face. But I remember the presence of God that was there. When I, I didn't, when I looked on them, I wasn't looking at them like, oh, you got, you know, I know you, I know how you are, you got something for me. You know, I'm not looking at them with, oh, we had chicken dinner last night, you're funny, you know. No, I'm not looking at them like that. I'm seeing the presence of God. That's what I saw. You know, and you're saying, well, what does the presence of God look like? You, it's a figure of speech. I, I, you don't see that person for the fleshly human being that they are. You see something different. The anointing is there, and you're seeing, like, was it you that said hope? Yeah. You see hope. You see promise. You have expectation. What What's there when I reach that point? What's there when my hand makes contact? What's there? What do they have for me? Go ahead. Feel God's manifestation. You feel God's manifestation. Yeah. Amen. You know, it's not often that we look at something and don't feel something back. <laughs> I guess that could be debatable. You might look at this table and not feel much of anything, but you're, if you are to examine it, and you look at that table, your brain is processing things. It's an amazing, complex situation, but your brain processes that wood as hard. It's going to be hard to sit on. There might be um, splinters. It's kind of uneven. Better make sure I sit just right. Seeing all the projects the kids built on this table. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, you know, a lot comes together when you look at something. Your brain processes a lot of information. So they, so when they looked on them, they looked on them with the expectation. Does the, are there people out there that look at you with expectation? Are they expecting godliness? Are they expecting a move of God when they look at you? You know, when we when the pandemic first started, we we got lights and we put them up on the cross to give people that drove by just a little beacon of hope, so to speak, to encourage them to know that Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. That Jesus died for them and that he loves them and there is hope and there is healing, right? But when they look at you, what do they see? Do they see somebody that's lazy? Do they see somebody that, that just leaves their their Bible on the dashboard? of the truck all the time? Do they see somebody that's praying and fasting? Do they see and feel and sense the presence of God when they come into your presence? There are especially um, women of God that I know that when I'm around them, I'm expecting something. I'm looking for something. They're men of God that when you, when you know they're coming, you know God's going to move. You're expecting something. It should be like that. Right? We should stop hiding. The church does not hide who she is. Even when they were underground, they people knew who they were. They just didn't know where they were at that time. Unless they, you know, drew the fish on the ground and communicated with one another and invited them into their cave or whatever it was. And their hiding place. But but we're not in that place. We're not in a place where we have to go underground. 
We are blessed right now to be able to stand up and say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe in his word. I stand upon his promises like Peter was doing right here. And I'm not afraid to share that with you, that I stand upon his promises. And his promises are yes and amen. And his promises are for you and for your children too, right? If you will just believe, right? Amen. And what did he tell the lame man he needed to do? Let's look and see. Let's see. Then Peter said to him, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Did he tell him to repent? Right. Deliverance. Deliverance is being moved from where you are to the next step. Will you be delivered today? Will you obey? When he looked on him, he saw something different. The the presence of God was mighty. The presence of God was moving. The spirit of God was moving, and he knew something was different. This was not the regular person that just came by and dropped some coins in and kept walking. This was not the, the... Sanhedrin or the Pharisees that came by every single day just looked at him and maybe dropped a coin in out of a um, tradition or out of obligation. Peter went the extra mile. He put his reputation on the line. He put the reputation of the church on the line. He put it all out there and said, and he didn't do it in himself. The presence of God, the Holy Ghost was leading him. Amen? Had the Holy Ghost led him to put some change in the cup, he would have had change and he would have put it in the cup. Right? Amen. But the Holy Ghost led him in this and he said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. By the right hand. By the power, the right arm. Amen? He took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, not five minutes later, not 30 minutes later, not six months, not after he walked back and forth across the stage so everybody could see him for a little while. Right then, right then, praise God, his ankles were immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength in the name of Jesus. And did he get up and hobble around? No. He leaped up. Woo! He leaped up. Like like, like these young men. They'd be sitting flat on the ground and you say, Hey, we got pizza! And they leap up and they run across the room. Right? <laughs> yeah, <I've seen> <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. They jump off the top of the truck. Oh, you got pizza? I'll jump off the roof and run over there. I only you got know. two pieces of pepperoni. <laughs> This man had never, ever been able to walk. Amen? And and I'm not putting down any other ministry. We've seen videos of back in the day. You've probably been there and seen it happen. And some of you that are here have seen people's legs grow out right in front of your very eyes. You've seen people get up out of wheelchairs and walk and run. One of my um, in-laws, his dad, so he would still be an in-law, was uh, crippled from uh, military and God touched him and healed him and he jumped up and ran around and he was healed from then on. Amen? 
So we see these things and we know they happen, but we've also seen where they, they say, well, come on and let's, you know, well, they limp across the stage a little bit. But what's happening there is that their faith is being built. They're getting stronger. And before you know it, they are running. So I'm not putting that down. But here, the power of God is the way that, the way I see it, the way I understand it, this is the way God would have it. Amen? It was immediate. And I know it happens other ways. And the Lord does, is in that. But um, he leaped up and he stood and he walked immediately. He had never walked before. He didn't have to have lessons. There's no evidence here that Peter and um, John took him by each arm and walked around with them, laughing rejoicing no he leapt up himself and he walked himself and where did he walk himself to into the temple he didn't go across the street and get a snow cone he went directly into the temple amen into the house of god and he was walking and leaping and praising god hallelujah what's impressive about it is he was blamed from his mother's womb so he didn't know how to walk or leap God furnishes the information right then. People act like they have to wait for months and months and years, but God's the right now on time, God. Amen. Immediately. He immediately, God immediately activated all those, what are they, neurons and stuff in his brain, the nerves, the whatever was not working. God immediately activated it, and, and he began to walk. The knowledge of how to walk was there. Everything we have need of is in Christ Jesus. It's in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. This guy immediately became a believer. Immediately became a follower. He immediately began to walk and leap and praise God. Giving God the glory. Not Peter, not John, but God. Amen? From the physical good to the spiritual good. Say it again. From the physical good to the spiritual good, which is God, is he's all good anyway. The good here is nothing compared to God. Amen. A whole different definition. Yes. We so often say things are good when they're not. That's another story. <laughs> well, say he, sat, he sat at the temple gate, which is called beautiful. Mm-hmm. So that's for alms, but <clears throat> like you said, that's just different uh, dimension there with God the miracles of God amen yeah amen I was just wondering if he had to have the, <clears throat> the faith or is just you know just John and Peter there, you know, with us. oh yeah amen he had the faith because he went from uh, the gold silver and gold have we none they offered him something deeper. But such as we have, such as I have, I've given to you. So he gave it to him, so he had to receive it. Receiving it is faith. Receiving the things of God. So, yeah, he had faith. And that's why God's manifestation came. As a grain of mustard seed. And the scripture says it is put in every, every single human being to know that there is God. To know that he is. Amen. And so it's in every single one of us. When you look into the eyes of a little tiny baby, it's amazing when you talk to them about the Lord. We're not even speaking the same language, maybe, but they somehow they know. 
There's something there. It's amazing. I, I love talking to little babies. Look at her. Go hold some babies more. And <laughs> so important that they have a mother that's spiritual love, love Christ. Amen. And loving grandparents too. And yeah. aunts and uncles that love the Lord. You need to let them know that you love the Lord, that you know the Lord, and that you're praying for them. Pray over them. Let them hear you pray. What if Peter had just grabbed him up? Let's just go along this, this line a little bit, letting people hear you pray. What if he had just grabbed him up and jerked him up? And, and what, what, what would have happened? Well, he, he might not have got anything. Right. Yeah, because you can't go off somebody else's life. you got to trust God for yourself. Right. He, yeah, it's your your faith. We we limit God by our faith. Mm-hmm. See, we have free will, so God it's not His nature to to override their free will at all. It's not part of the covenant that God makes with us, and that's His choice. They gave Him a choice. He take it or leave it. Yes, Amen. And a lot of times, people stay in their situation because people enable them to stay in their situation by giving them money, giving them food, and they already have what it takes to get to the next level but they hurt them by trying to do what they think is good but God's got an ultimate good and he's moving through his spirit but without the Holy Ghost it's almost impossible for you to pick up on the, the Holy Ghost is that seal that activates that in you it told them what you know he communicated to them that it was time now is the time amen and everything is ready it's just like you can't plant in the winter time God's got a time and a season for everything, and to be on time with God, you got to be in constant communication with Him, listening to Him, praying, and being activated by His Spirit. Amen. Because the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Truth. There's nothing but truth in that. That's why it worked. God told them what to do, and they did. Amen. Amen. And here we remember too, in verse um, 46 of the of chapter two, that they were continuing together. The body of Christ, the people of God, were coming together. And they were in gladness and singleness of heart. One intention, one purpose, one goal, and that is to please the Father God. Walking in the footsteps and in the fulfillment of the calling and commission of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Right? And so when they, when he spoke to the lame man and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, he knew, Peter knew in whose name he came. He knew he had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Even though Jesus had ascended into the heavens, he knew he had been filled with the same spirit, the same Holy Ghost that Jesus had, and that Jesus ascended into the heavens and sent the Holy Ghost and filled him with the Holy Ghost, and he knew he was confident in it, that he had that strong faith, that strong confidence in the Word and the anointing and the power of God. And so when he... Right, it's interesting that Larry said that he had... Uh, the seal. The Holy Ghost is a seal. Amen? The seal's our salvation. But we have to be obedient to it. You don't just speak in tongues once and then you're saved until Jesus comes. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Peter had that relationship. It's like a wedding ring. It is like a wedding ring. And the well, wedding the ring can be taken ring. off. Yeah. An engagement ring can be taken off. Right? right? We were talking about this just before uh, we gathered for this Bible study that oftentimes we think of ourselves as the bride of Christ. And the church ultimately will be the bride of Christ. 
we're getting off on another message here but right now we are engaged and we're we're kind of in that 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 place where you have a choice you can say you know what i'm taking this ring off i'm going back into the world i'm gonna do my own thing you can keep the ring on and do your own thing the engagement ring in the world you can keep that ring on and everybody else thinks you're good right you're still wearing the t-shirt bumper sticker I'm going to heaven. When the rapture comes, don't look for me. Whatever those bumper stickers say. If found unoccupied, I went in the rapture. Something like that. You can still have that bumper sticker and not be saved. You can still go through all the the, the motions and not be saved. You can, just like I was uh, thinking about this yesterday. I was making some notes and I, and I hadn't finished it yet. But if we treat God and our relationship like a checklist instead of a relationship how long is that going to last if you treated your spouse like a checklist well i got this little checklist here mental list maybe you have it on the wall of of, you know today i'm going to pray for 30 minutes every day i have my devotional check prayer time check uh donations check uh once a week um volunteer check what if you did that with your spouse how much how long would your spouse put up with that depends depends on your spouse right (laughs) maybe your spouse is also a a checklist but (laughs) that's cold and calculated is what it is it's cold and calculated it's planned out I'm not going to spend it, you know, I got my 30 minute devotional time and once I read that devotional and what somebody else tells me I need to believe about this scripture, I'm good, I'm gone. So that would be like saying, honey, we're going to get together every morning and we're going to spend 30 minutes of quality time and this book is going to tell us what we're supposed to think about each other. (laughs) I'm not talking about the Bible, I'm talking about some book some person wrote. Y'all are giggling. Is that ridiculous? I'm just going to leave that right there. All right. I'm like Kermit the Frog this morning. I was going to leave it there. All right. So anyway, going back to verse 6, I had written in my notes, in in my notebook, and I don't know when I wrote this in my Bible, I mean, years ago, I have the seal of the name of Jesus right there. The seal of the name of Jesus is baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And here he says, in the name of Jesus, we have to go as ambassadors of Christ. And Paul Peter was a great ambassador of Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ, the scripture says. And so when we go, we go in Jesus' name. Amen? Ambassadors go in the name of whatever country or whatever king that they serve. A United States ambassador goes representing the president and the office of the United States. I saw recently an ambassador from... A, a corporation came to the Navajo Nation and gave a whole bunch of energy bars, or not energy bars, but granola bars or something. And he was an ambassador for that company, for that region. So they have a power and authority to um, take from the storehouse and give. Woo! Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. This this ambassador didn't have to call up his boss man and say, hey, I'm, I'm here on the Navajo reservation and, and we're in the middle of a really hard time and the people need food, they need encouragement, they need something, and I want to give them a million dollars worth of 
granola bars. Is that okay? No, he had the authority. Amen. He had the seal of an ambassador. He had the authority of his corporation to make it so. And we walk in that. Peter knew that he had the authority. He knew because the Holy Ghost was leading him and guiding him. He had a relationship. And he knew that he didn't have to stop and second guess this decision. It was quick. He opened up quickly to the Spirit. He opened up quickly to move. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ. He didn't say, I'm a Christian. My name's Peter. I come from the other side of the mountain. And I come here today to pray. And here you are. And I believe God put you in my footsteps. My, in my path as a divine appointment. And blah, 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 blah. He didn't do all that. Amen? He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, if you will receive it, basically he said, if you'll receive it, I have something for you. Yeah. Amen? He took advantage of the need and the want. Mm-hmm. The Holy Ghost knew exactly what was going on. And yes, it was a divine appointment. But he didn't have to go into all that. What he did have to go into was being led by the Spirit. And just simply speaking, the name of Jesus Christ and the power and the authority of God, that's what the church does. That's what the true church of Jesus does. We walk in the anointing. We walk in his footsteps. We walk in his shoes. I saw recently somebody said that, that um, a Christian is should be walking or allowing or something like uh, Jesus walking in, in your shoes. The scripture says that we ought to walk as Jesus walked. Amen. We should be walking in his shoes. Amen. Do we live 2,000 years ago? Do we wear sandals everywhere we go? Most of us don't. Some of us do. But most of us, everybody here is not wearing sandals. Not today. And Nikes. <laughs> New Balance. <laughs> American That's right. <laughs> Amen. And, um, Christian shoes (laughs) and um, we need to walk as Jesus walked amen and so we don't cause Jesus to to make him fit into our and conform to our shell we fit into his image and likeness be careful what you allow into your spirit be careful what you read and what you hear there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet I read something just this morning of um, this, uh, somebody asked somebody else, is the Lord coming soon? Are we in the last days? And they said, oh, no, it's not yet. That's going to be like around 2023, 2033, somewhere in there. I was like, delete, <laughs> delete. Yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, and, and we have to be careful. When you, we hit the like button, the heart, what is that, the heart button, the thumbs up, the smiley face. And then eventually you see something like this and the truth comes out. That's when you know. Try the spirits and see if they be of God. Amen? Try it. The Bible says try it. Know it. Use the anointing. Use the, the um, I'm sorry, the discernment that God gives you. The church is discerning. Amen? Peter had to have discernment to know that this guy was looking for more. Am I right? He had to know that this guy didn't want, wasn't satisfied with being lame. Some people are satisfied right where they are, and they want to stay right there. 
They might be satisfied being alcoholics. They might be satisfied with being drug addicts. They might be satisfied with whatever their addiction is. They might be satisfied with whatever their affliction is. I've heard people say, oh, but if I get healed, then I won't get my social security disability check anymore. I'm like, praise the Lord. I will burn it for you. Amen. I don't need that. I need Jesus Christ. I need help in what he says I should walk in. He provides everything that we have need of. Amen. He has never, ever forsaken his children. He's not going to start now. Even, even with that, you know, that that's even here in America because they make it so difficult to, uh, right. for people to get their yeah. benefits sometimes. Yeah. Get their disability they, or get their. Yeah. And the crowd is chased after Jesus, desiring something of him, the Bible says. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to be so attractive that people desire the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. As ambassadors, you show the goodwill of God. You show that. Amen. We're supposed to be ambassadors in Christ. If we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then they should see a peace about us because we know Jesus, which is the Prince of Peace. And that that, that will show people there's something different because people today are confused. They're full of confusion. They're scared of viruses. They're scared of all these things. They don't have a peace. Amen. But Christ brings peace. No matter what. Amen. The scripture, the scripture says a fear hath torment. That's right. We don't want to, we're not, as Christians, we should not have fear. Nope. Remember back in the day we had all those shirts that said fear not? We shouldn't teach people to be foolish by running out and doing things out all over the public because we don't have fear. We should be communicating the peace of God, the skin God, and doing things the right way, the righteous way, is what God tells you to do. Amen. Wear the mask. Stay back. Don't hurt people that's not ready to receive God. They, they can receive God and hear from God what to do. What'd you say? Don't hurt people by not keeping the rules and trying to go around the rules just for your own satisfaction. And like the churches, they, they protecting people because they love them. And it shows the love of God not to come together and get people, somebody could be infected and not even know it. And they take a chance on infecting somebody. People that love people don't take chances. They do what God moves them to do. Do what's right. Amen. Amen. All right, so. Praise the Lord. Go with me. Let's go a little bit further. We're getting a little. uh, We've been long-winded. We're 35 minutes. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. But um, in Acts chapter 3, verse 9. It says, and the people saw him walking and leaping and praising God, and they knew who he was. The lame man had been there all of his life, been brought to the temple gate, maybe by his family or someone who was willing to help out every single day of his life. So the people knew who he was. And the lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John, all the people ran unto them, in the porch that is called Solomon's, and they were greatly wondering. This got the people's attention again. And lots of times, just going along this line of uh, the idea of talking about fear, is that 
We are not afraid. The church is not fearful. Amen? Amen. I have come in contact with lots of people, and, and, and you don't know what they carry, what kind of disease. I've been on street ministry. I've hugged people that you don't know what, if they had AIDS. Remember we used to all be, the whole world was scared to death of AIDS. When I was in high school, everybody was scared of AIDS. I wasn't scared. I don't know why, but I wasn't. <laughs> and I mean, it's a whole different reason. But now as a Christian, you know, we go out and we do street ministries. We, we hand out food. We, we interact with people. Sometimes somebody just needs a hug and you have to be led by the spirit, right? Sometimes somebody just needs a handshake. Sometimes somebody needs something and it causes physical contact where there's laying hands on or praying and you don't know and you never did know when COVID-19 existed and when it started. Am I right? Now they're going back and saying that it may have been here all along. It may have been here five years ago or two years ago. Maybe you already had it, whatever. That We're not afraid of that. Amen? But we respect the laws of the land. We respect God and we respect what the word of God says. And we will stand firm and we will not be moved. Amen? Now, that was just a drop in right there. But as all the people were looking and Peter and John knew before they prayed for this man, before they laid, reached his hand out and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, people were watching. People were upset. The whole, everything was already in turmoil. People were looking for opportunity. They crucified their Lord. They crucified Jesus Christ. And Jesus told them, don't you know if they do this to me, what will they do to you? If they'll do this when the tree is what? Green. Green. What will they do when? It's It's dry. What will they do? So Peter knew. Amen. Peter knew there could be consequences. But did he let that stop him? Did it slow him down? His role was not slowed at all. He was quick to move by the Spirit. He was quick to give what he had in the Spirit. He was quick, and he did not hold back. And look what happens next. I want you to go back and finish reading this, uh, and we'll talk about it some more in our next podcast or next Bible study. That is not, 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 not necessarily our next podcast, but in our next Bible study. So be prepared. The body of Christ and the church is prepared. She is not afraid. She is fearless. She is led by the Spirit, and she is prayerful. She has relationship. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Uh, Go back over and listen to it again. Take notes and read the rest of Acts chapter 2 again. God bless you. Hello and greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thanks for tuning in today. And let's just jump right into the Word of God. You know, I love to jump into the Word. And so let's let's go ahead and do that. We are going to be um, starting in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, verse 5. So turn with me there. Ezekiel 33, 5. I really, really, really love the book of Ezekiel. I love the whole Bible. And Lord, today we just ask, Father, that you open the eyes of our uh, understanding, enlighten us, God, by your Spirit. Lord, let us come to you with a a clean conscience, Father God. If there's anything, God, that separates us from you and from your perfect will for our lives, Lord, we pray that you would reveal it to us. 
Open your word. Open our understanding, Father. We submit to you today. We submit to your word. We submit to your spirit. We submit to all that you have for us because, God, we are your children. We are your servants. We seek to be found pleasing in your sight at all times. We are washed in the blood as born again, saved Christians. That's what saves us is the blood of Jesus through your righteousness, your grace, and your mercy, Lord, towards us, your love for us. For you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son that we could live, Lord. And we thank you this morning, Father. God, you give us life and life more abundantly. And Lord, we want to walk in that abundant life. We want to understand what you have for us, God. And nothing wavering, Father God, but stand firm and unmovable for you. Lord, help us, God, to temper our tongues. Help us, Lord, to submit our tongues, to to submit our tongue to the Holy Spirit, our, our words to the Holy Ghost, because your word says that the tongue is unruly, and who can tame it? So no person can do it in and of themselves. We must submit to you and allow your spirit to lead us and guide us in all truth and righteousness and deal with our conscience, Lord. Help us, God, to be more and more like Jesus every day. In the name of Jesus, we come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And we thank you, Father. Amen. All right. Hopefully, you're in Ezekiel chapter 33 with me. And um, I hope you're ready. Here the Lord has given the man of God, the prophet of God, a word to speak to the people. He begins in verse 2, or verse 1. Let's just start there. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, that would be Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set for him their watchman, if he sees the sword come upon the land, he blows the trumpet and warns the people. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. He that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. That's one of the things we're going to be talking about today, is delivering your soul. Your mind, your will, and emotions, that's what makes up your soul. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, He deals with and works with us through our conscience. There are multiple scriptures. I have like 15 at least scriptures talking about um, the, the conscience. And how the Spirit deals with our conscience and how we need to have a clear conscience um, before God. That we walk in this life, in life more abundantly. We walk in this Christian life not with a, a clouded conscience. Not with a heaviness that comes from a dark the darkness. That it comes from sin or past sin. Things like that. We The, the blood of Jesus... The anointing of God, the the whole work, the full gospel, everything that Jesus paid for on the cross breaks those chains of bondage. He heals our broken hearts and he erases those things off of our past history. 
But we as humans, we continue sometimes to pick that baggage back up, to tote it around. We get all, um, somehow, we get melancholy, feeling all kind of cloudy and gloomy sometimes. And we think about these things, they bring, they're brought back up to the surface. How are they brought back up to the surface if we are born again, if we're set free, if we are set free from it, if we've been delivered? To be delivered means to be taken from one place to another. If if it were possible, if I could reach in and pick you up and move you from, let's just say, Quebec and pick you up and move you and set you down in Jerusalem, then you will have been delivered from Quebec to Jerusalem. Are you still in Quebec? Are your feet still standing in Quebec? No. Now you're in Jerusalem and in the present time here and now, where you are is where you are. The things that are behind you, you've been delivered. You've been brought out of that. If you were in prison before and you've been brought out of, of prison, then you've been delivered from prison. You may, you, surely you learned lessons in prison. You learned things from that experience, but you don't want to go back there. You don't want to carry that baggage around. There's stuff in there you probably don't ever want to talk about that you don't want to revisit. And even things in your past, there are things that we don't want to talk about and things we don't want to revisit. But the truth of the matter is they have to be dealt with. You have to face them and deal with them. You have to cut it off. If I have an infection in my hand or arm and I don't deal with it, that infection will grow and continue to move throughout my body and eventually poison my whole body. And what is the end of that? It's death. And that's the same thing. The wages of sin is death. The wages of not dealing with sin, past hurts, past sin, things that were done towards us, things that we did. If we don't deal with them, it will, it will consume us. Let us rather be consumed by the word of God with his very presence. Let us be, Father, let us be amazed and stand in awe of who you are to stand in awe and amazement to be completely consumed with the love of God and be consumed in every every thought that we have everything that we do to be towards you and in you that everything that we lay our hands to would truly be for your glory not that we do it and then ask that you bless it and make it your glory but father that we do things because we are directed by you father have your will and your way in our lives thank you Jesus all right let's keep going I want you to if you have your highlighter highlight that that but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. That was in verse 5. He that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman, verse 6, but if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hands. You are the watchman of your own soul. You are the one to guard the gates of your temple. The temp know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, that God created you and fashioned you and made you in his likeness and image, that you be a temple for his very spirit. 
praise God. So we are the watchmen of our very own soul, of, our, our, of this temple, of your mind, your will, and emotions. You, you are responsible for what goes into your mind. You are responsible for where, where your mind trails off and what you allow yourself to, to dwell on and to think about. You are responsible for what comes in there and makes you feel um, less than what you're supposed to be less than what what God has intended for you you have control over that you have control over what you hear the headphones that you put into your ears so to speak what you allow the the words the songs the music the the voices the things that are said around you you have control over what goes into your ears you choose choose you this day whom you will serve what will you bow down to Daniel said I will not bow down to that statue. I will not bow down and worship another. I worship God and God alone. And he did not. He did not do it. And guess what? God delivered him in his time of trouble. God delivered him out of the mouth of the lions. He delivered him even when they were cast into the fiery furnace. God is there and he will he delivers. He does a perfect work. Amen. Praise God. So turn with me again back, uh, not turn with me, but look back to the scripture here in Ezekiel 33, verse 7. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die if thou dost not speak to the war to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. You will not be able to point your finger at someone else and say it was so-and-so's fault. They didn't warn me. I didn't know because the word of God is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. You hold it in your hand. Thy word, if I hid in my heart that it might not, that I might not sin against thee, that is what we're supposed to be doing. We are, we are, Given this great, huge opportunity of extra time and extra, extra um, opportunity to get into the Word of God, to turn off the television, to turn off the social media, to turn off outside influences, God has given us a great opportunity to get into His Word like never before. So we have no excuse. God has a wonderful way of removing our excuses. Term, uh, just skip skip on down a little bit. Now, I want you to go ahead and read all of this, but for time's sake, I want you to um, move on down to, um, or back, uh, that is, back to verse 5. And we're just really going to focus in on that. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. So what the Lord um, is showing showing us this morning, what he's given us to, to discuss on, is to bring this into a little one targeted area. And God does that. He gives us a targeted area, something that we need to work on. He sees and he knows your very heart, your very heart. He knows the intents of your heart. He knows what motivates you. He knows what brings you down. He knows all these things. He knows everything about you. So the title of this message is it's all, it's all good. It's all good. You know, that's the people like to say, well, um, 
I don't know, I went through this really hard thing or this bad thing happened or uh, I saw this with my own eyes. And, and then they say, but you know, it's, it's good. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay, though. But is it really? Is it really okay? Is everything really all right? You know, in um, certain cultures in America, when we greet one another, we say, hi, how are you? And the other person says, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm great. <laughs> Some people say, girl, if I were any better, I'd be fine. I'm, I'm so fine. I'm finer than frog hair. If I was any better, I'd be twins. You know, but, but guess what? Those things that we say are not always 100% true. Lots of times we're covering something. We're hiding something. We're suppressing something. We're pushing it down. We don't want other people to see it. So we put up this wall. We put on a happy face. Maybe we don't make eye contact even. Maybe we do. Maybe we're experts at making eye contact. But maybe you can cover it really well and sometimes it shows. But that's not the point. The point is what... What are you doing with your conscience? What are you doing with the Holy Ghost? When the Holy Ghost deals with you and moves you towards something, do you shy away from it? When that when that feeling comes and you say, "Oh, I remember this happened to me and it was just horrible," and I and you don't want to dwell on that. You don't want to dwell on the horror and the the wretchedness of it and the sadness of it. But you need to deal with it. You need to deal with it. So dealing with it does not mean, "Oh, well, you know, it happened. It's okay. It's not okay." It's not okay to be abused. It's not okay to be uh, misused. It's not okay to be somebody's doormat. It's not okay to be hurting over things that you had no control over. It's not okay to be hurting over things that you have been delivered from or that you've been that you've been set free from. And if you're if we're let me clarify that a little bit. If you've been delivered, complete and total deliverance means that it's done. You've dealt with it. Through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the direction of the Holy Spirit, that is that it's completely set free and it no longer has chains, it no longer has hold on you, it no longer pulls you down, it no longer frustrates you, and no longer brings tears to your eyes because you've been set free from it. You have been completely delivered out of it. And that's what God wants for you, that's what I want for you. I want to see every one of us completely set free and delivered from the things that would deter us and try to keep us back from being all that God has for us to be. His ways are glorious and amazing and fantastic and we need to give in to his will and his way for our lives and let him do this work. It's not always comfortable but it's amazing. The end result is total and complete freedom. If you're saying, if you're that person, you're saying, you know what, it's all good, it's okay though, and you're trying, what you're really trying to do is trying to soothe your conscience. You see something happening, and it doesn't, it's not pleasing, it's not pleasing to you. You know, in your heart of hearts, and your, in your understanding, in your very soul, you know it doesn't line up with the Word of God, and yet you say, it's okay. Would that not be equivalent to a lie? If it doesn't. If it's not pleasing to God, it's not okay. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not okay. If it's not pleasing to God, it's not good. If it's not pleasing to God, it's not okay. So what are we trying to do? Why do we say these things? <clears throat> because in that moment, in that time, 
You are trying to soothe your very conscience. You're trying to calm yourself down so that you can keep going forward. You're trying to say something positive when about a negative situation. <clears throat> now let me get this get this straight. Now yes, we call things that are not as though they are. That would be praying the word of God over your children, knowing that God's will, you're praying God's will over their life. You're praying God's will over their life. If they're in sin, it's not okay. We don't say, oh, they're sending their face off. It's okay though. It's not okay. They're sinning. They need, they're going, they're on a path to hell. They're picking up wounds and scars and things that they are going to have to be delivered from. <clears throat> that is not God's will. It's not his plan. God's will is for us to get in his will. God's will is for us to be whole and complete. Shalom. Jesus is the, is our Sar Shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. Complete, total, wholeness, wholeness. complete, total deliverance. So stop trying to soothe your conscience. Stop trying to whitewash things. Stop trying to mud it over and hide that hole in the wall with some spackling and some glue. Or what is that stuff talking you know, about? That mesh tape. And then you put the spackling over it and you try to sand it. If you know a trained eye can see it, it's, it's still there. It's still there. How do you refix it? You replace it with something new. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. All things, all of those old things are passed away and all things are become new. All things. Thank you, Jesus. So stop trying to soothe your conscience. It will not work. It does not work. Time and time again, what you're doing is you're keeping yourself in that same place. You're still that, whatever that, if you could see yourself as um, puzzle pieces, whatever that one piece is that you keep saying, it's okay, it's all good. That you keep saying that, that that piece will never fit the way it's supposed to because it's got corrosion, it's got decay, it's got stuff built up on it that needs to be washed away and made clean and new in Christ Jesus. It needs to be dealt with. It will not work. You are temporarily soothe your flesh. You're temporarily soothing your flesh. You're not actually soothing your conscience. You think you are. You think that that. That things are going to be okay. That if I just if I just keep pushing it over there, and I don't look at it. I just ignore it. It'll go away. It will not. You must deal with it. If you put a rabid dog in a cage, eventually it will die. If you know in real life, but if you put a rabid dog in a cage, and think, okay, if I put it over there, it'll be okay. It's not going to be okay. The dog's going to get sicker and worse and worse and worse. It has to be dealt with. If you think because I put it in a cage and I can't see it and it won't bother me, it will because that thought of that dog being in that cage will con will continue to bother you at some level. You have to deal with the situation. I hope that makes a little bit of sense, a little <clears throat> picture for you there. But your conscience will not be at peace. You're, you're trying to comfort your flesh and momentarily you do comfort your flesh. You tell your flesh, it's okay, it's okay. I can get through this. It's okay. But it's not okay. You must deal with it. You can you try to you comfort yourself. I think we said something a couple of weeks ago or a week ago about comfort foods and things that we do to try to comfort ourselves, but it's not there. Our comfort is in Holy Ghost. Jesus said it is expedient that I go that the comforter may come. Who is this comforter? What is this comforter? 
Holy Ghost, Spirit of God. Acts chapter 2, Joel chapter 2, the Holy Ghost. He is the Comforter. He comes in and he fills the believer when they receive the, the Holy Ghost. He comes in and he fills you and he begins to lead you and guide you into all truth and righteousness. The scripture says these three bear witness. The Holy Ghost must be involved. The Holy Ghost must be involved. <clears throat> if you continue to keep these things under wraps, you continue to try to cover them with some nice pretty wrapping paper or another coat of paint, you know, you try to press it down, try to keep it keep it nice, keep it pretty, put on the, that facade, it's going to stay there. You can put on, you know, a brand new suit, brand new coat, little, what are those things called, handkerchief in a pocket, nice and pretty, maybe even pin a rose to your lapel, but that's what's on the inside is still there. It doesn't matter how pretty you dress it up. A, a jewel in a pig snout is still a jewel on a pig. The pig is still unclean. The pig does what to the jewel? Makes the jewel unclean. The, the jewel does not make the pig pretty or clean it's like a jewel in a pig's snout so here we say uh, the scripture says we, you know you, you heard the sound of the trumpet but you did not take warning we must hear what the Lord is saying hear what thus saith the Lord when I was uh, looking this scripture looking at the scripture I saw a cross reference to Acts chapter 2 I thought that was interesting and they were going with that sound the sound of a mighty rushing wind so the the cross reference was on that word sound and we think about the Holy Spirit is the mighty what came and the sound of a mighty rushing wind when the Spirit came in it was as the sound of a rushing wind what does wind do when it blows through your your yard or through your property it moves stuff it delivers stuff. I remember when we first moved out uh, out west, a huge gust of wind came. And, and I thought, oh, there must be a storm coming. And I looked at my weather app, and there was no wind. It said zero wind, um, like three miles an hour or something like that. And no storms, sunshine. Guess what? This huge gust, gust of wind came through, picked up this wooden bench, and threw it probably 20 feet away. And broke it it's still broken and it's what it blew it picked it up and blew it way over there and yet nothing in the news was reporting it but it happened that chair was delivered from one place to another it had an impact <laughs> and then right after that the rain came huge winds rain it was must have been the beginning of monsoon season it was a you know hello I'm here and here we see when the Spirit of God comes in, He doesn't come in without making a difference. He doesn't come in without changing things. When He, when the Holy Ghost is there, change happens. He is alive. He is living. And He brings change. Positive Holy Ghost. The workings of God. The creative power of God working in you to change you into His likeness and image. To bring you from what that point A to point B to where you need to be to bring you completely out of Egypt and all the way into the Canaan land. We do not need to look back to Egypt any longer. Canaan land has more 
than what we need. Everything that we have need of is in Christ Jesus. There's nothing back there. Nothing back there is good for you. Nothing behind you is going to help you. What he has in Canaan land, what he has laid up for you, what he has done for you is more, is better, is greater than anything you ever had in the past. Anything that ever happened to you, he is greater. His deliverance and his healing is greater than every wound, every hurt, everything that ever happened. By his stripes, you are healed. By his stripes, you are completely made whole. Completely made whole. When you submit to him, when you lay it all at his feet and you allow him to heal you, if you continue to hold on to it and say, it's okay, it's good, or you look on this and you say, you know what, it's okay, um, my kids are like this, but it's good, or I saw this happen over there, but it's, it's good, it's not. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not good. We need to change our wording, we need to change our verbiage, we need to change what we're saying and let Holy Ghost give us the words to say or say nothing at all. If there's nothing, you don't have anything to say about it, then it's fine. You don't have to say any words. Amen? You don't have to say a word. You can just move on. You don't have to... Con when, we, when, we, when, we, when we, as men and women of God, children of God, if we say something that is good, that is not good, then we are putting our seal of approval on it. And everybody that's standing around listening, everybody that looks up to you as a Christian, everybody that knows that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, is, takes that as... Believe it or not, that Jesus says it's good. Is Jesus standing beside you saying, yeah, it's good. That's, that's great. If we keep it under wraps, we keep it down there, and we try to hold it down inside of our, our body, it will make us sick. And I'm not going to get into that. But it can make your body physically ill. It can make your, your mind um, not clear. It can convolute and cloud the way that you see things in life. Just one little thing. The Bible, Jesus said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little. When they had to kesher their houses, they had to sweep clean their houses and get all the yeast out of the house. They had to clean everything from the top to the bottom. Like people are doing um, right now. People are going into uh, the workplaces. If somebody had a, a case of the virus they go in and they spray down the walls with disinfectant and they shampoo maybe they shampoo the carpet and they wipe down all the surfaces and and um i don't know they have on their hazmat suits and their mat respirator mask and all that stuff they had to do kind of like that they had to go into their house and sweep every single corner wash down the walls wash down the furniture take everything out and make sure there was nothing in there because it's an example of how God washes us and cleanses us and makes us whole to get all that stuff out of us. So we don't need to have that yeast, that little leaven in there. A little leaven. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Just because it seems good doesn't mean it's good. The scripture even says there is none good but God. That's our, our plumb line. The plumb line, the uh, Jesus, the word of God, perfection, that's God. And we are to strive for that, strive toward that. And if we're not hitting the mark, I don't want you to beat yourself up. But you don't need to say, oh, it's good. It's good. 
in a way that you're saying, well, I don't have to try any harder. You do. We have to press forward, press toward, press on toward the high mark. You keep running. You don't sit down and say, well, it's okay. I'm, I'm washing the blood. Jesus will come get me. He told us to run the race and run the race with patience. If we stumble, if we fall, if we, we, if we're missing something, we don't need to keep to stay there and we don't need to pick that baggage up and put on our backs. That's going to slow us down. We need to shed that off and run, run this race with patience, run forward, run towards what God has for you. In 2 Corinthians 1.12, it says, For our proud confidence is this. Our confidence is this. That in holiness and in sincerity. Holiness and sincerity. Holiness. Godly sincerity. Sincerity. Not in the wisdom of men, not in the fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God. Not the kind of grace that just, that we're talking about the God's grace. The power to overcome sin. That we have conducted ourselves or moved ourselves through this world, in this world, especially towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. Especially towards those who are following us and looking up to us as leaders in our home or in our community. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and you did not take warning. He heard his blood shall be upon himself, but he who takes warning delivers his soul. My prayer for you this morning is that you heed the word of God. Deliver your soul this morning. Deal it. Face with it. If you keep it at under under wraps and you keep trying to suppress things, it becomes like a slow boil, and it will kind of eat you up from the inside out. It's still there. It needs to be dealt with. It needs to be done away with you need to deal with it you must address the issue you must face it and deal with it if you need help find a brother and sister in christ that you can trust find someone who you know hears from god someone who is led by the spirit and someone who has fruit the fruit of the spirit active in their lives pray and ask god before you ask anyone else but but if you need help that you have brothers and sisters in Christ. And we all need each other. Ultimately, God wants you to lean on him. To deliver your soul by hearing what thus saith the Lord this morning. Deliver your mind. Deliver your will. Deliver your emotions from the things that have been holding you down. And holding you back. Discouraging you. And you've been covering them up day in and day out even even things maybe you've dealt with lots of things in the past but something new presents itself and you say oh it's, it's okay it's good same thing the same principle applies we must temper the words that we speak we must be careful the things that we say and heed the word of the lord we have to hear what god is saying allow holy ghost to lead us and guide us in all truth and righteousness for he is he is our, our leader. He is our guider. Second Corinthians one twelve. I wanted to read that again. For our rejoicing is this. Our confidence is this. We rejoice in this. That the testimony of our conscience. That is simply 
and God that in simplicity, I'm sorry, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversion, I mean conversation. Uh, conversion. We have had our conversation in this world and more abundantly toward you. That our conversation should be, how did Jesus say it? Seasoned with salt. Scripture says that our conversation should be seasoned with salt. That would be Holy Ghost. That we need to allow the Holy Ghost to direct our statements and what we are doing. We need to allow Holy Ghost to lead us and guide us in all truth and righteousness. Again, I say, let's look one more time at this Ezekiel 33, 5, the last part of it. But he who takes warning delivers his soul. The watchman must heed the word of God, must speak the word of God and not add to it and not take away from it and must deal with the situation at hand. He cannot suppress it. He can't hold on to it. He can't say, this is too um, scary. I don't want to scare the neighbors. He has to blow that trumpet and let the people know that there's danger. He has to call it out and deal with it. It must be brought to the surface to get rid of it and to take care of it. To For the people to know when to take shelter and when to, when to um, go forth. They had to heed the word of the Lord. Look at uh, verse 9. I'm almost done. Verse 9. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your soul. So here, if he, if the watchman sounds the trumpet and he lets the people know he's led by the Spirit, he's letting that the Spirit of God move through him and cleanse him and, and, and walk in that holy life that God has directed for him, walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, walking upright with his holy conversation or her holy conversation, then the people around have a choice to make as well. And they can either heed it or not. But you have delivered your soul in, in obedience to Christ Jesus and to his leadership, in obedience to Father God. We must submit and allow the Lord to have his will and his way in our lives. And then we can truly say, on that day, it's all good. Have a blessed day. God bless you. I love you. Can't wait to be in worship services and, and be able to preach to your face again. I love you very much. Have a great day. God bless you.